Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. We have so much insane legal stuff going on in this country. Of course, you have all the Trump trials, and now you have the uh, Fannie Willis case, which is really much more interesting than I thought it was. Like, I I was paying attention to it, and I didn't think it was, I think she's kind of a nutty, loose cannon anyway, but she's a DA, and she got elected, and she has a right to bring a case against, uh, you know, apparently this case is legit, and the courts have upheld that that you can prosecute Donald Trump. So, I may not like her, and I may think the case is ridiculous, but I had no idea just how compromised she made herself over a romantic relationship. Not for nothing, but is it worth it? I'm just trying to figure that out. If you are about to handle one of the landmark cases against a former president who is the current front runner to be the nominee for the Republican Party and perhaps be the president again, do you really think it's a good idea to like hire your boyfriend and pay him a lot of money to prosecute a case when he has zero experience doing that? Like, I didn't know that. I don't think anybody would have even thought that until all this came to light. So apparently, she's pretty nervous about this whole thing because the hearing that took place today could lead to her being removed from the case because it has, there's no way you could say it's not a conflict of interest. She has a relationship with a special prosecutor. Now, people who know her say that she's been involved in this relationship for a long time. Before he was hired as special prosecutor, they were already Uh, doing whatever it is they're doing. Now, mind you, he was married. I think she was married as well, but I know that he was for sure. So, you know, she keeps saying, or or at least he has said, Nathan Wade has said, that they didn't start dating until 2022 and that their relationship ended last summer. Now, there was some extraordinarily personal testimony that went on for hours where he admitted to having sex with Fannie Willis during his separation from his wife, which directly contradicts her sworn statements, and I think his sworn statements as well, who said their relationship hadn't begun until after he was hired to lead the case. Earlier encounters like this means that you can't believe anything these prosecutors are putting out. Their credibility is shot, which could literally upend the case against Donald Trump and the others. I mean, there's other people involved in this in this uh, trial. 
mean, they, they were being charged with conspiracy to overturn an election. And they're saying, and it actually was one of the uh, co-defendants whose attorney made the claim first, they're saying, you can't have her on this case at all. That, you know, saying that I'm a private person or, you know, the uh, boyfriend saying, you know, we're private people, we're entitled, there's nothing salacious about having a private life. We're really good friends, even though we probably, you know, did have a romantic relationship. We're probably, either you did or you didn't. We're, we're closer now than ever because of these attacks against us. What? Not for nothing, but you drag me through the mud like that? I would not say we've become closer than ever. But the hours after these probing questions for Nathan Wade, which literally proved the extent to which the prosecutors, the very people who have pledged to hold Donald Trump accountable, are themselves now under the public's scrutiny with all kinds of revelations about their personal lives. So that nobody's talking in Atlanta right now, in Fulton County, nobody's talking about what Donald Trump did anymore. They're talking about what Fannie Willis and uh, Nathan Wade did. And they can, you know, her testimony, even though the, the, uh, her lawyers are fighting to keep her off the witness stand, this is, uh, this is really very strange, <laughs> uh, and I don't get it. How, first and foremost, the real scary part of the charges are that she personally profited because she paid uh, Nathan Wade more than, I don't know, $600,000 or more for his work, and then he took the money and booked a bunch of lavish vacations for the two of them. So it makes her look terrible. It doesn't matter how bad you might think Donald Trump is. You have to ask yourself, like, what possessed you to do something that could compromise a big landmark case that everybody is watching very closely? She was very empathetic and adamant about you know, all of the fairness that uh, don't, do, she paid him back in cash for the travel expenses. Oh, come on. They went to like Belize and Aruba and California. They took cruises. What the heck? You really thought that that was going to be okay? You didn't think that attorneys hired by the people that either a work with Donald Trump or Donald Trump himself, you didn't think their attorneys would be looking very closely at you two? You can't be that stupid. I'm sorry. It would be a huge development because this is one of the four criminal cases against Donald Trump. And even if a new lawyer uh, gets assigned to this, you're not going to have a trial before November now. And by November... Donald Trump will be the nominee for the presidency. And <laughs> you just jeopardized everything. In a court filing just earlier this month, she said she had no financial or personal conflict of interest and that there are no grounds to dismiss the case or to remove her from the pr prosecution. 
she said the these allegations are salacious and they're just there to generate headlines. Uh, no, but even if that were true, you didn't think of that. I mean, what kind of DA are you? You wouldn't you have subpoenaed people in if you were on the other side? What kind of lawyer are you that you didn't know that 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 this relationship would uh, end up being well examined and then probably mess up the trial? I don't know. You almost would have to think that they got paid to do this by by Donald Trump just to get you know, get the focus off of him and onto them. I don't know. It just seems so ridiculous to me. But that that's all there is, is ridiculous things left and right. To the left of me, to the right of me, above me, below me. Now I got to listen to how uh, Egypt, the country of Egypt, is building walls on their border. Why? Why do you think that is? Because they're afraid that as the Israeli military uh, goes further into southern Gaza, there's going to be a flood of refugees streaming into Egypt. So they're building this eight square mile walled enclosure in the Sinai Desert right by the border. And they're out there with... Uh, they already had soldiers and, and all kinds of fences put up. It's now like a massive compound because they're trying to keep the Gazans out. So, you know, you look at that and you say to yourself, but we here in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the wealthiest, most prosperous nation on planet Earth, or at least we always used to be, we can't rationalize building a wall on our southern border to keep out people who are fleeing all kinds of disasters, financial disasters, gangs, and, and, and natural disasters. Um, how does that, how do you wrap your mind around that, right? Because Benjamin Netanyahu said they're going to fight Hamas in Rafah, which is right on the Egyptian border. It's a Palestinian city right on the border. And this could happen in the next week or two. And what do you do if you have a, a large streaming of Palestinians from Gaza trying to get into Egypt? Well, let me, let me tell you what they're going to do. They are going to limit the number of refugees that they allow in. Say they want to cap it at like 50,000. Hey, I'd be happy to cap the refugees coming in through the southern border at 50,000. We're more like at 50,000 uh, every two days. <laughs> Egypt hasn't liked refugees coming in there uh, who are fleeing war-torn areas ever. And the more the offensive is launched against Hamas, the more people will flee or attempt to flee into Egypt. So, hey. They built a wall. <laughs> the governor of the North Sinai region in Egypt, first he denied it. He said, oh, no, we're, we're building a refugee camp. Yeah, that's the ticket. It's just going to be a refugee camp where we're going to house all these people. No, 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 no. No, no. They're trying to keep them out. As has Jordan. You know, this group of Arabs 
has never been welcomed by Jordan, never been welcomed by Syria, never been welcomed by Lebanon, never been welcomed by Egypt. But Israel is supposed to welcome them and did. You, you just, you, sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and say, one day we'll figure this out, but not today. All right, let me uh, remind you that you can download the app, the 850 WFTL app. You can also uh, visit the website, 850WFTL.com. We're giving away some tickets to the awesome Rib Roundup. That's what we, our country uh, sister station does every year. It's a huge deal, and it's a big success and a lot of fun. And we're going to be giving away tickets. All you got to do is use the app or register at the website, 850WFTL.com. Let me take a quick break, and I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So it's okay for Egypt to build a wall to keep out the Palestinians, but it's not okay for America to build out a wall. And you just, you have to ask yourself, like, are we, how stupid are we? That's what I want to know, that we, that we feel like there's something wrong with wanting to be a sovereign nation, with wanting to have borders. I, I, I never in my life, thought that I would have to defend that position. But I've been defending it for, for decades now. And you know it doesn't get any better. I will say this, for the first time, as Dan Stein, who was on my show yesterday from FAIR, pointed out, you know, now more people are really, have been alerted to just what a disaster we have on the southern border because this president just literally made it impossible to ignore. You don't have to live in New Mexico or Texas or Cal Southern California to know what's going on. You, you got people, very urbane people, living in New York City who are trying to figure out, like, how did this happen? How did we suddenly end up with so many people that we're responsible for? We have to give them credit cards with money on it. They've taken over schools to house migrants and... Uh, we have uh, hospital waiting rooms that are out of control. People can't get uh, the help or the, or the care that they need. They don't have insurance. And yet illegal immigrants are, you know, wandering around and walking into New York Medical Center and getting care. But the New Yorker, the poor New Yorker, the poor hard hardworking New Yorker can't get help. Can't get a credit card with $300 on it. Why not? You know, I at least could make the, the case for let's help Americans. You know, it's, it's taxpayer dollars. So if I'm going to expend taxpayer dollars, then I would like to expend it on Americans first. Now, if there's money left over, okay, but there's not going to be any money left over. Look at all these, uh, you know, these mayors and, and governors who are, screaming and and they they don't know what else to do well the government better the feds feds better come in here and give us money well we can't we can't sustain this 
okay, well, you know, if we can't sustain it, who's going to come first? The illegal immigrant or the American citizen? I don't think you're going to find a compelling argument on the side of the illegal alien. I just don't. You know, good luck. If that's, if that's how you want to, if you want to play that, see if how it plays out at the, uh, at the polls during this next election. You know, this is like playing right into Donald Trump's hands. This is what won him an election in 2016, and this is what will win him an election in 2024. How ridiculous do you have to be to allow a repetition like that when you could have avoided it? You could have prevented it. Meanwhile, the story I didn't get to tell yesterday, which I'm going to tell now, is I'm part of uh, you know a number of different spiritual groups and prayer groups and things like that. And the other day, one of my prayer partners was uh, celebrating the fact that uh, their loans, their student loans, were forgiven. Now, uh, this is a very nice person, a person who went to grad school, has got a doctorate, the whole nine yards, and always been very successful, opened their own business, and you know, uh, just a successful person. So when they tell me that their loans were forgiven, I just got real quiet. I didn't say anything. And then they started like justifying it to me without me saying a word, just saying like, well, you know, I was paying them and I, I would pay them. And, and I just said, well, you know, listen, somebody is going to pay them. Okay, it may not be you, but those banks, they're going to want to be paid the money that they loaned for your education. And you are not going to pay it now, so who is? Well, the federal government has said that they will step in. And if they're stepping in, that means that the taxpayer is going to be responsible for paying that. So I said, so people like me who paid their student loans... People like me who have kids who paid their student loans really wonder if there's any fairness in forgiveness of student loans. Uh, if I sign a paper that says I'm going to be responsible for paying back a loan of any kind, whether it's a mortgage or a student loan or any kind, my, my sense of righteous tells me then I have to be prepared to pay it back. And barring some really uh, very almost life-changing circumstance, I'm going to have to pay it back. Whether it's easy or difficult, I'm going to have to pay it back. Are they going to start forgiving mortgages? I'm just curious. Are they going to forgive uh, car loans? Because I'll tell you one thing I, I became painfully aware of. This is Democrats buying votes. Because if you think that somebody who has had a student loan forgiven in excess of twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, you think they're not going to vote for Joe Biden? Of course they are. They give him all the credit for that. They're not thinking about me, the taxpayer. They're thinking about a hey, yo Joe. It's so cynical. It really is, and it just it saddens me. That's all. Because good people fall for this kind of stuff. I, you know, I asked my own children, I said, well, how do you get uh, loan forgiveness? And they said, well, you got to go to file all this paperwork. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I said, oh, are you doing that? No, I'm not doing that. Thank you, Lord. I did something right. Anyway, you know, uh, I'm going to be talking with, well, we'll see. 
Let me let me see what happens in this next segment, but should be interesting. Stay right where you are. All right, and welcome back. As you know, I will bring on anybody who's running for public office, particularly if it's a South Florida person. I'm not interested in interviewing people from other states so much. Uh, this isn't a nationally syndicated show, and it has no relevance. If you want to donate money to somebody in uh, you know Kansas, go ahead. Feel free. But I bring on candidates that are running in these districts because they, they will affect your life. And uh, I have a friend who's coming on right now. He's, a bit, he's been a candidate before, but not for the district in which he has now selected to run. So he's a familiar person on this show. Joe Kaufman, no relation, is my guest. How you doing, Joe? Great, Joyce. Thanks for having me. That's all right. So you decided to jump into a race where there are like already four other people in the primary. Wh- why? Well, I, to be honest, I had, you know, there's there's a there's a Democrat that's in office right now, um, but there's also one running in the primary, and that kind of got me energized to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm you know I, I I'm passionate about our country. I've 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 done this in the past. I always believed that I needed to serve in Congress because of my background in, in national security and counterterrorism. Um, but seeing that there was an individual that's that's running that has this this huge Democrat background looks like a Democrat still. That really again, it just got my goat, and I and I uh, and I jumped in this race. And unfortunately, you know. You're running against one Democrat for the general, but it looks like I've got another one for the primary. Yeah, well, he's the former mayor of uh, Palm Beach or something. I had him on the show. You know, he decided he's all of a sudden a Republican. And, you know, I can be confrontational about that kind of stuff. But here's my problem, and it's not with you because I know you'd make a good congressman. That's not my problem. But my, my problem is this. The district is the one in which I live, and I know the temperature of this district. And I can tell you right now, the most popular Democrat to hold this office in the la- out of the last three is Jared Moskowitz. Nobody really liked the prior two Democrats. <laughs> you know, they, they were in there because they'd only vote for Democrats. But people really like Jared Moskowitz. And I, did you have to take him on? <laughs> Why didn't you go run against Debbie? Look, I don't. I don't think the guy is all that popular. I mean, I, I, I know he's getting some attention. He got some attention because of October seventh, mm-hmm. and he's getting some attention now um, as a result of, uh, uh, unfortunately, political attention as a result of the Kansas City, Kansas City shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but going around the district, I don't see that many people really knowing who this guy is outside of maybe some synagogues that I happen to be affiliated with. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I don't think he's as popular as, as you believe he is. He's only a one-term congressman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he gets out there all that much. And and when he does, you know, part of the time he looks like a clown, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I can only tell you, you know, I frequent a lot of the communities around here. I live in one of the communities, and you know, in the past, not since <laughs> Wexler, have I heard people speak so favorably about the their congressmen because most of the time they're awful and i tried to talk you into running for this open seat the last time you know and you didn't want to do it and i am thoroughly convinced after seeing how close bud got that you would have won that time now i'm nervous 
and I want you to win. You know, I don't want I, you to waste I, time. I, I I think Joe ran a great race. I I do believe I I, I would have won that. Yeah. Um, but I I also I also understand that since Joe ran last time, um, the district has gotten more Republican. There's more Republicans moving in. Certainly in the Orthodox Jewish community, to which my wife and I are a part of, that's grown significantly. You know it when going into the synagogues, you see that the places are, are packed because all of these, um, all of these uh, people who are living in, in New York and New Jersey who, who are horrified the way their states are, are, uh, are running things, they're down here. But they're not Democrat voters. They're no. Republican voters. And and I really believe that I'm that I'm going to do this um, in the end because I, I think the district is winnable, and I and I and I don't see him as as being a huge obstacle to to uh, to climb to get there. Uh, hey, listen, you have to believe that, and I know you'll give it your all. And like I said, I am thoroughly convinced that you would have won um, the last election. When I saw those numbers, I said, oh, my God, I wish Joe had run, you know, because it, it, I saw where the numbers came from and the areas where the, he didn't uh, get a tremendous amount of support were areas you would have dominated, where there were uh, Latins and, and, you know, things that Joe Bud didn't really have an in with, but you do. And so, look, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm reading this wrong. I just don't want to see you work as hard as I know you will work. To, to be beat at the at the polls, I really don't. But I will tell you, Joyce. Like at the end of the last, at the end of my last run, and I had run a number of times. You know, I, I had won three primaries in a row, and it, and it took a lot. It took a lot out of me. Yeah. I was I was exhausted at the end of that. <laughs> but now this has really energized me, and mm -hmm. I do believe that I'm going to get practice going up against Moskowitz with the fact that I've got a Democrat. <laughs> In, in the my primary, primary. Yeah. and he may call himself a Republican, but the guy, the guy supports uh, the just like just like Moskowitz. The guy talks up climate change. The guy supports banning banning firearms. Uh, the guy ha endorsed uh, he endorsed the the head of the Democratic Party to to uh, to win for the 2022 gubernatorial election against DeSantis. He even endorsed Moskowitz himself. Uh, this guy is a wolf in sheep's clothing, and uh, and and absolutely a Democrat. Not even a rhino, but a but a but a Democrat. I don't know why he's in this race, um, mm -hmm. except to give the except to give the win for Moskowitz. Because any Republican that's voting for that guy is is eventually going to vote for Moskowitz. Pretty much, I think you're right. But um, if that was their plan, then let's just uh, hope that you can you know, uh, turn that apple cart upside down. So tell the listeners, you know, wh what your expertise is in case, uh, you know, there are lots of new listeners who may not know you and you didn't run in the last uh, cycle. So tell everybody why you think you'd be a great addition. Just all my background, I do counterterrorism research, writing and lectures. Uh, I was the one that, that, uh, that spearheaded that closure of the, of the, uh, the pro-Hamas conference in, in Coral Springs that just took place last month. Um, so I've been, I've been out there with this, with this issue. But the truth is that when I ran last time, um, I wasn't just a one-trick pony. Um, I didn't just deal in, in counterterrorism measures. 
Um, my, you know, I, ca- I care about the economy. I care about the fact that we're overspending, um, creating, a, creating, creating a huge inflation for our country. Um, I care about the fact that, that we've got a, a secretary of Homeland Security that's, that's, uh, that's, that's violating his statutory duty at the border um, with, uh, with regards to our law enforcement agencies, that Homeland Security is supposed to connect to each other after 9-11. I, I, I care about the fact that we're allowing drug dealers and and uh, and human traffickers and 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 terrorists and gang members across our border um, to destroy our country. So uh, I'm going to fight all of these things, mm-hmm. and I hope that your listeners are are with me in doing this because we're going to make a major impact. So now, what what give us uh, the website where people can get involved? Um, or have you? Are you paying your way in? Or are you gathering signatures? What What's the story? I'm going to pay my way in. I'm coming in this thing. You know, I'm not coming in this thing alone. So the, the signatures are out. Right. Um, we're just creating the the, uh, the website now. Um, okay. But they can get in touch with me if they like. Mm-hmm. Info at KaufmanForCongress.com. That's uh, K-A-U-F-M-A-N for F-O-R Congress.com. One F, one N. Yeah, well, and just I'll like me. And I'll to answer anybody's questions, and if anybody wants to donate, fantastic. Right, and if you um, want a T-shirt that says Jay Kaufman for Congress, it could be me or Joe. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, we do spell it the same <laughs> way. And in all fairness, in, in full disclosure, Joe and I are old friends, and he has always had my support, um, and that's never going to change. But I will give all of his opponents an opportunity to speak. Most of them have been on the show already. Um, and once, once the cycle begins, everybody is welcome on the show. But I don't think anybody doubts that I have a longstanding relationship with Joe Kaufman. So I just have to say that in, in fair disclosure. And by the way, how's the wife? Uh, I just have to say that, that, uh, that, that I love you too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I even love his wife and his daughter, so how about that? Anyway, Joe, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know I'll be there, so keep, keep, keep me in the loop. Thanks, Joyce. Be well. Uh, all right. Be, go, be well. All right. Well, listen, Joe, you know, I, was, I was so convinced that he had such a good chance when that was an open seat. So, but, you know, he's a hard worker. Maybe this is the moment. We'll see. He's got you got Barve, you got the 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 dude who's the mayor of Palm Beach. Weinroth, I think his name is. I mean, this is a, why why can't we you know can people on the conservative side of the aisle or, or Republicans just get behind a candidate who can win and stop stop wasting so much money and time on these senseless primaries anyway. All right, uh, don't forget that you got, whatchamacallit, Eric Erickson, <laughs> like my mind went blank. Eric Erickson coming up after me, followed by Joe Pags and Lars Larson, the overnight guys. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show. At 9 o'clock, Brian Kilmeade. At noon, Dan Bongino. And then I'll be back at 3 o'clock. But I have one segment left today, so don't touch that dial. I'm coming right back. So, uh, you know, talk about couples, power couples, uh, now we find out that Hillary Clinton's, uh, well, I don't know how to describe her, her longtime associate and aide, former wife to Anthony Weiner, he of the sex texting scandal, is dating Alex Soros, George Soros' billionaire. 
Playboy Sun. They put out something yesterday in Valentine's Day. You know, they were at, I don't know, in Paris or they put something out on Instagram. Oh, they're, they're in love. She's like 10 years older than him. Not that that matters. I mean, you know, some guys like older women. She looks good. But, uh, you know, talk about a scary couple. That's a scary couple. Uma Abedin and Alex Soros? Because George Soros, when he handed the reins over to his son, said he's much more political than I am. How much more political can you be than George Soros was? But that was what he said. So this is a romance that comes, I don't know, how long ago since she divorced Wiener? She was married to him for, I don't know, five, ten years, and then they got divorced probably five, ten years ago. And that was a lot of high-profile scandals uh, that she had to deal with. You know, that was no joke when her husband got lambasted. She, of course, had been very, very instrumental in Hillary Clinton's can candidacy for presidency. I think she was a campaign. Um, she might have even run that campaign. I don't remember anymore. But this guy, he's a playboy. He likes to throw parties. And he is the official heir to $25 billion invested in the Open Society Foundation. And there's an older brother, by the way, named Jonathan, who they're now um, fighting. And a lot of people say that there's some kind of TV show that uh, some of my friends watch called Succession. And they're saying that it's actually based on the two... Soros brothers, Jonathan and Alex. And back in, I guess it was June of last year, Alex said, let me, let me make this perfectly clear to everybody. I'm going to use the family money to finance way more far left causes than my father ever did. Abortion rights, gender equality, transgender rights, and he said, he told the Wall Street Journal, he's way more political than his father, and you're going to see that in his business dealings. And of course, he is terrified about Donald Trump potentially returning to the White House, and he said, we will uh, contribute a lot of money to Democrats in, the, in this next presidential election. As much as I would like to get money out of politics, he said, as long as the other side is doing it, we will have to do it. By the way, Democrats have always poured more money into politics than Republicans have. That's just the truth. But hey, listen, he can uh, justify and rationalize things as much as he wants to. But Huma Abedin's got to be loving her life right now. I mean, she was a power broker before the 2016 election loss. And, you know, she was uh, up there uh, during the Clinton administration she was married to the congressman, Anthony Weiner, and she does, I think they have a kid together, a son. Um, so who knows? I mean, I, I don't know how this all plays out, but I can tell you one thing for sure. That's a power couple. And if they stay together, the only thing I would tell Uma is, remember, this guy has had Many, 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 many relationships with many, 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 many high-powered women. You're not the first, and you may not be the last.
and uh, you you look okay at 47, but something happens at 50 <laughs> that there's no coming back for. She was supposed to um, be dating Bradley Cooper because uh, she's very close friends with Anna Wintour, the uh, editor in a Vogue magazine, and that was apparently who she wanted to be connected to. But uh, now she found somebody with a heck of a lot more uh, cash, and we'll see. You know, this is uh, uh, this is a very very powerful guy, George Soros. So you go, forty-seven-year-old Uma Abedin, because <laughs> it just gives you tells you a whole other story about what he's looking for in a woman. Uh, that was one story that caught my attention, but there were a couple of stories in this morning's paper that I'm not going to be able to get to today. Um, and, and one of them, I did my thought of the day on this whole idea yesterday that uh, Russia is trying to figure out how to have nuclear capability in space. Uh, ostensibly, they're saying to bring down satellites, but nobody believes that. And all I kept thinking is, what happened to all these treaties that we had? Like, are all those treaties no longer in effect? The, the whole thing is a little bit uh, bizarre to me. Um, so I, I, I'm just trying to figure that out, really. And, and we'll see. But, but I, I saw some crazy photographs. I don't know if the rest of you were looking at these photographs of these Ukrainian soldiers and the condition that they are in. Um, First and foremost, that Russia allowed these pictures to get out there. Um, one of them was of a, of a soldier that was released. He was 20 months imprisoned by a Ru Russia. And Vladimir Sima Bursov, age 41, this guy looks like the photographs of the men that were released from Treblinka. I mean, he's painfully thin. Um, he's like six foot two and weighs like 100 pounds or 120 pounds. And they really, it looks like pictures that were taken at a Nazi death camp. And he's, of course, now being treated for all kinds of medical problems because he was starving. He was serving with Ukraine's 56th separate motorized infantry brigade when he was captured back in April of 2022. He used to be a musician on cruise ships, but boy, this is, this is a serious photograph. And um, I'm just, when I look at these, these uh, images of what's going on, we've, they've been at war for over a year. And we have no idea the human tragedies that have been taking place. But I'm quite certain after looking at this picture that when we do finally see how bad this, this all really was and how much suffering is going to be still ahead of these uh, Ukrainian soldiers and families that have been fleeing and all these uh, diseases that, that people are gonna, when you end up being starved like this, you have all kinds of problems, gastritis and uh, liver disease and uh, reflux disease and all kinds of chronic uh, prostatitis, all this stuff. And 
that's what's that's what's going on. And I'm not sympathetic. I'm not not sympathetic. I am sympathetic. But at what point do we actually figure out that either some NATO countries go in there and end this madness, or the amount of human tragedy and loss is going to be incalculable. This is horrible. What's going on? And you know they're fighting in Congress over the funding, and I get that. But at what point do we as Americans get to say we have problems here in this country that we're not addressing? that we're not taking care of. That southern border is a major issue. And you cannot keep ignoring it because now it's a national security issue above and beyond uh, the human tragedies that are taking place, the child sex trafficking, the, the fentanyl that's pouring over the border. I keep looking at these statistics of the amount of death caused by these fentanyl uh, pills and 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 whatever I guess the other form of it is, uh, you know, like heroin in powder form. This is just taking people out every day all over this country, and we've got a government that doesn't seem to be the least bit concerned about it. They're they're more concerned about the border uh, of of Israel and Egypt, than, or Gaza and Egypt, than they are about our southern border, and. It's going, to, it's going to play out in this upcoming election. That I can assure you. And uh, it's going to play out in the favor of my candidate. So we'll see. Of course, he did get the bad news today that the trial can go forward. Um, we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. I just think he becomes more stronger and more power, power broker every day. And the more they do this, the worse it is for them. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at Three o'clock, if it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So God bless you and God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow at three. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.